Paulo, thank you for joining me today. Uh, appreciate your time. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. So, going to kick off our uh, question and answer segment here on private equity. Um, try to get some insights from you, uh, maybe some secrets uh, that you're willing to share with the rest of the private equity world. Okay. So, here we go. The first question, you know, private equity seems to be, you know, uh, their investments in shipping seem to be thinning a bit, you know. And the, the question is, you know, despite the fa fact that asset values are increasing, and perhaps this might be a good time, or maybe six months ago was a good time to enter into the market. Uh, you know, the interest in shipping tends, seems to be waning. Is there an appetite for private equity uh, to invest in shipping? Um, great question. So um, I can speak first for Tufton, and then I guess I can uh, try to give my views on what the rest of the industry is doing. We feel it's a very good time to invest in shipping. I think we're going to come back to it later in terms of the supply side um, uh, tailwinds that we have, including IMO 2020 and some other environmental uh, factors. Um, and as you mentioned, um, although asset prices have started to rise over the past couple of years, we still believe they're, uh, they're very low. However, I think for the broader private equity industry um, that's generalists, buyout shops, et cetera, I think either they are taking a, they've decided to take a time out from shipping in 2014-15 after putting a lot of money to work and I think a lot of a lot of them regretting it um, or two a lot of them are investing in uh, platforms that do uh, primary lending or buy loans on the secondary basis so I, I guess that, that's a good lead to the next question what, what is private equity looking for are they looking for a hard asset still are they looking for steel or is it debt new debt origination, distressed debt? Yeah, well, that's very interesting, especially because of how hot the tanker market has been in the couple of weeks. I've heard some anecdotes today at the conference and some, friend, some friendly lawyers that there is more appetite all of a sudden from some traditional private equity uh, shops to go into assets. Um, although at the same time, I hear that some private equity firms that bought assets two or three years ago, especially in the tanker market, are now looking to sell. Liquidity is good, of course. Um, for, uh, for everyone, um, but I do think it is just primarily in terms of via debt platforms that what's generally considered the private equity industry will be putting capital to work uh, in shipping. There will always be uh, space, and we think a lot of space, for a couple of specialists like Tufton to invest very much focused in shipping. As far as deal size, is there a deal too small? I assume maybe there's a deal too big, but is there a sweet spot that you're looking for? Yeah, our, our, our sweet, sweet spot has, uh, has tended to be ships between 10 and $20 million. Um, deal size then tends to be, most cases, uh, one, more likely two ships, so 20 to $30 million a deal. Although late last year, together with a friend, we invested around $120 million in 10 tankers at the very end of last year, and that's probably the largest will go in terms of a single a single deal right yeah we've been seeing smaller deals okay you know the large deals the billion dollar deals are few and far between how do you exit them yeah exactly yeah, yeah. you you become the market that's right and uh, you kill the market I guess if you try to get if out. you try to get out yeah, unless yeah. you're very lucky yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly um, so when you're investing what kind of returns are you looking for are are the teens that some of these you know debt guys um, are looking for, are, are, are they realistic? Is, is that achievable? Um, are, are they achievable? They're certainly achievable. Are they likely? Uh, <laughs> we think not, right. not very. Um, if we start with, with the, the premise 
and the historical evidence bears this out, that shipping over the cycle earns 8 to 9% unlevered return on capital, right. which is roughly the cost of capital and shipping, and you would expect that to be the case because it's a highly competitive industry with low barriers to entry. So you're not going to make a lot of money in shipping in the long run. Can you do really well or really poorly in the short run? Of course, if you have the wrong capital structure. So if we start with the premise, which we believe is correct at Tufton, that over 10 to 15 years, you'll probably make something like 9% unlevered. If you add to that um, a little bit of alpha from investing in better quality assets or ships with low technical risk um, and, and buying at attractive prices, maybe with a little bit of leverage on some assets that have asset coverage, can you get to 15% levered returns over a, over a 15 year period? You probably can, but why not be happy with 10 to 12% unlevered right. with that same strategy when unlevered real estate earns you four to 5% and could very well suffer some asset losses over the next five to 10 years as a lot of our investors are predicting because right. you have very toppy asset values in almost every asset class in the world other than shipping. Right. So what's, what's the math that a ship owner is doing when they go out and they borrow at 12%, 10%, 14%? Uh, the only way that that can work, again, because that's a great lead on question from the one that we just talked about where the cost, the, the return to capital over the long run isn't, isn't very likely to be more than 9%. That basically has to be, he has to refinance something at the bottom of the market. Um, he thinks that the ship will pick up in value and yields over the next two to three years. Uh, if he can refinance that debt within two years without being penal in terms of what he has to pay as a call premium on that debt over the next couple of years, right. and that's the only way to keep going, then that's probably a good trade. But of course, um, that has some terrible convexity in it, in that if you don't refinance that debt within three or four years, the market doesn't pick up, you're basically toast. Right. That's it. That's, it's just the math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The tanker market uh, and the shipping market generally seems to be at an inflection point. Is this the time that PE is going to get in or is this where they're going to get out? Is this, yeah. the, is this the point in time to ca well, cash we, in? We were discussing this before the, the, the interview and it sounded like you're seeing people starting to come in again. It looks like it. Um, we have heard from very good sources that quite a lot of PE has gotten out of some VLCCs and some Suez Maxes uh, over the past couple of weeks. Um, and again, you know, liquidity, liquidity is good for the market. I think um, money coming in and coming out, which often is the case with, you know, ship owners, some ship owners are buying, some ship owners are selling, um, is probably good for overall people's uh, outside investors and observance um, views on the liquidity of the market, which some people, some people just intuitively believe that a VLCC can't be a liquid asset, right? Right. Who'd want to, you know, you, you don't just go down the street and say, do you want to buy a, a VLCC? But actually, in many cases, 5% uh, of them change hands every year. And that's roughly the same liquidity as buying or selling a house in the London market. I'm not sure about New York, but which is considered a liquid market. Right. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see it play out. I think uh, the answer might just be yes. Um, some are getting in, some, some are, are getting, getting out. out. Yeah. And they may be buying them from each other. 
and they both, both might be very happy. Yeah, they, they can both be right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I guess we'd be remiss at this point in time, you know, coming up to 2020 here, not to talk about incoming regulations yep. and the changes in the industry. What do you see as the, the biggest hurdles in the industry and the new regulations, and how does that impact your decision making? Um, I think the hurdles are, um, are sort of uncertainty over what's next after 2020. I think there was a long time and it was almost a, a, you couldn't go to a conference without half of the conference being discussions about 2020. Is it going to be postponed? I love scrubbers. You hate scrubbers. Right. Let's argue about scrubbers. Now it's just a fact, right? right. Um, what we think is the most interesting part about scrubbers, and we are installing scrubbers on a small minority of the ships uh, in our fleet, where the charterers want them, basically. And if the charterers don't want scrubbers, we're not buying scrubbers. That's how, that's how we look at it. The best part about scrubbers or about IMO 2020 is for the roughly 80% of the industry that doesn't have scrubbers, fuel costs go up, not on January 1st, really, because they're going to have to start buying the cleaner, more expensive fuels during December. Fuel costs go up dramatically. Those ship types that don't have the, where the scrubber penetration is very low will have to slow down. So there's a trade-off between speed and capital cost. Right. You have an exogenous shock to the shipping supply demand metric with uh, higher fuel cost. Supply goes down and the charter That's rate right. goes up. Right. And that's great for the industry. We strongly, strongly believe that. Will there be anecdotes about some scrubbers going wrong and these sorts of things? Of course. Um, and we're very, very positive um, about IMO 2030 and IMO 2050 because they're creating more uncertainty for the ship owner or the marginal investor who may want to order new builds. If you don't know what new build to order because you don't know what's going to be a compliant between 2030 and 2050, very few new builds are going to be ordered. And again, that's very, very good for the industry. And, environment, and, and regulation in general is very good for the industry. We've seen, we've seen shipping go from 30 years ago or so, having very, close to zero capital markets penetration. Not that it's much, much higher than zero right. um, uh, at the moment due to low market caps, but almost being sort of a pariah industry to a lot of people to in peaking in the pre-financial uh, crisis into being a very large market cap and very hot sector and now being you know, generally considered an essential sector for the global economy. Regulation is good because it, it makes the shipping industry more investable for both public market investors and private market investors. And, and, kicks in, and gets, out a lot, a lot, gets rid of marginal players who try to bend the rules because that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. And uh, you know that's a that's a great segue to the next next point. Like, yeah. How how is you know environmental governance sustainability? How is that impacting shipping? And again, probably you know flushing out some of the marginal players and you know me yeah. really making shipping more transparent. Yeah. I think we're gonna we'll leave governance aside. Okay. Because that's like a very controversial issue in, in shipping. But Fair enough. but uh, I think it was mentioned earlier in the conference we were talking about it before. There seems to be a pretty decent correlation between good governance and good uh, valuation in shipping. Not perfect, but, but, but quite strong. Uh, social as well um, is pretty well taken care of in terms of you know crews are treated pretty well, oil pollution, which has uh, externality effects on um, uh, people outside the industry are v much, much lower than they were in the past. Um, corruption is a, a, a very small fraction 
of what it was in the past, and obviously listed companies, uh, investments run by professional managers like Tufton, JP Morgan, et cetera. Clearly, corruption, there's a, there's a zero tolerance policy for any corruption. Um, so if the, the key area of, of interest is then environmental. Right. And IMO 2020 is a start. Um, it's not a perfect solution in terms of sulfur emissions, but um, according to the IMO, it'll save 60,000 lives a year. Um, that's a big number, yeah. obviously. Uh, but next, what we have to look at is, is the carbon emissions, and that's why we have um, uh, 2030 and 2050 coming in. Um, and again, anything that, um, uh, that helps the industry seem more regulated, um, more environmentally uh, conscious, is something that should make long-term investors like pension funds, sovereign wealth funds, um, corporate pension plans, et cetera, some of the key investors that Tufton has will make them more interested, interested in participating in shipping in a moderate risk, moderate reward sort of leasing model that we run both privately and in our listed fund. Makes sense. So as we wrap this up, I guess, you know, we, we talked about private equity coming in and going out, but you're committed. I mean, this, this, is, this is what you do. So. You know, yep. What is it you're, you know, you're looking forward to investing in in the future? What opportunities are you guys looking for? Um, where do you want to be? We've been building up pretty diverse portfolios for the four or five sets of clients uh, that we have, um, both private clients where we run funds of one, um, where we tend to have diversified portfolios, and then most recently our London-listed closed-ended fund, Tufton Oceanic Assets Limited, which has the ticker SHIP.LN. Uh, in London. So we're pursuing a diversified model. We tend to take about three years charter coverage um, in nearly all the assets that we've bought over the past 10 years. We have no leverage um, in all of the assets that we've bought since 2013. We have no leverage. Um, we've been producing about 12 or 13 percent unlevered cash on cash return, uh, nearly all of which in some cases or all of which in other cases, depending on the strategy, we return to our underlying investors, some of which we from time to time um, uh, recycle. We'll look if the opportunities continue to be there and if we continue to be able to raise public capital as we have over the past couple of years, we'll look to grow our listed fund. Um, we'll look to grow some of our private vehicles as well and we're looking pretty seriously at going into primary debt in the near future as well. well that'll be exciting. Call me, I'm a debt lawyer. <laughs> It was a real pleasure. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Mike. Uh, nice to meet you. Success. Yeah. Thanks. Take care.